Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody, to a live version of my independence report. This is our first live broadcast, and and, uh, we'll be doing this starting at noon Pacific time. So that's like right now. And we'll be doing this uh, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I've got a, a great lineup of people. Not only that. I've got a great guy who's going to be talking with us today. But before I go there, I want to talk to and introduce to the audience an author. He's written eight books. He's um, actually my neighbor. It's been he's, he's a great guy. His name is Matt Shea. Matt, how are you? Fantastic. It is so great to be here on day one. It is. It's going to be day one. It's going to be really a lot of fun for us. And we're we're working to bring to you some of the most incredible people that I can find on the planet. And one of those guys is with us today, and I'll just introduce him right now, and then we're just going to have a nice conversation, and we're going to talk about some really important things. So if you know anybody that is going through this as we go through the show, you're certainly welcome to call in, and you're certainly welcome to uh, encourage them to talk with us. So with that, I'm going to introduce Andrew Mann. He is the author of a book called Such Unfortunates, and it's about addiction and his way through it and what he did and how you can also get through it. Now, Andrew, how are you? Great, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Matt, pleasure to uh, talking with you as well and meeting you for the first time. It's it's amazing that... Uh, First of all, I want to. I just want to let everybody know that you've got a couple of podcasts already on my site, and it's because of the work that you're doing in the world that I wanted to catch up with you because what you're doing is an ongoing process. And talk to us a little bit about the ongoing process that you are doing to change the world. Okay. Sure. Uh, well, like you said, I wrote the book, uh, Such Unfortunates. It is uh, based on my life. I went through uh, the horrors I faced in childhood, which led me to becoming um, a really bad addict, um, a drug addict. And eventually, I was able, you know, it got to the point where everyone had given up. I had even given up on myself. And somehow, through some angels, was able to pull myself out of it, and um, and that's when eventually I wrote the book because I wanted to. After everything that I'd been through, I saw what was wrong, what we were doing wrong, and what we were doing right, and what needed to change. Because it's become such a, a horrible epidemic that now more people die every year than Vietnam, Afghanistan, and Iraq combined and the full length of those wars every year in the United States in this. And um, it's just gotten out of hand. And it seems like it just gets worse and worse. And so I knew that I could do something with my experience 
I knew that I could help people because I would have people, a lot of um, friends of mine that had passed away, their parents came to me, like, how are you able to get through it? And my son wasn't. And one mother in particular, um, after reading my book, she just, you know, she said, I, I wish I had this a long time ago. And, um, you know, better late than never. I wish I was able to write the book a long time ago. But, you know, she said um, it, it made a lot of sense to her. And she said it would have helped her out if, if she had had it when he was around. But she also said there was, there was something comforting in it to her. And um, so I want to try to reach as many people that before it gets to that point. Um, and I believe that I can help people. I know I can. Uh, I know I can help people because if an addict like me can get clean, there's anyone on this planet can. I was as, I may not look like it, but I was as bad as you could ever imagine. I was homeless. I three ends to um, drug addiction, and those are jails, institutions, and death. And I've faced all three of them. I've been to jail. I've been homeless. In the streets of Camden, New Jersey, which is probably the worst place in the United States. Um, and I've overdosed twice and um, been considered dead where they brought me back. So I've been to all three of those ends. And um, if I can get through this, uh, I believe anyone can. And so that's basically what led me um, to my current mission, which is twofold, is to help as many people through the book as I can to get the message out there. And also through my foundation, which um, I want to have a foundation. Um, obviously, I can't just start out in all 50 states, but I'd like to have it all over the country. And that helps addicts out in ways that I know that really can help them and not just this rehab where they go 30 days and they pull the drugs out of the system and they throw them right back. And, you know, there's like a 3% success rate at best in those rehabs. And that's even inflated. Uh, you know, they really say 1%, but we can do so much better. And there's so many lives out there. There's a lot of really good people that have gotten sucked into this addiction that are not disposable. They're not, you see these people in the streets, and, you know, before I lived that life, I thought these people, you know, they must be this and they must be that. And that was all wrong. And that's some of the most kind, generous, caring people that, you know, you, and especially you pull the drugs away from them and they can be some really great people. And, um, you know, I want to help people. Most of these people have, have been through horrors that they're medicating with these drugs. And my idea for one of the things I want my rehab foundation to be also part of an animal shelter because animals have been a huge part of my life. And I've seen the healing power an animal can have, especially for people in addiction, because as somebody pointed out even earlier today, that made me think about addicts. And when you're an addict, it's such a selfish way of being. You have to, because all you have to think about is, does I care about me? I need to get my next drug. Well, when you have to take care of an animal, you have to sort of get rid of that selfishness and care about something else. And the love an animal gives a, a person. A lot of people that have suffered an addiction never had that love in their life. So that's just one of the parts of my 
foundation that I want. I want it, and I also want to help animals out because I love animals. That's, they're amazing. So, well, I just wanted where to, we are. Well, yes, indeed. And I wanted to ask you a question because I've never asked this of anybody. And now, personally, I've never gone into an overdose situation. You've done it twice. What does it feel like when you go into an overdose? Do you know that you're going in? Are you in somewhere in the back of your head saying, uh-oh, I think I'm in trouble? Or do you just fall asleep? You just fall asleep. I um, I had been one point that I did feel a little bit like you said. Like it was like, oh, uh, I'm in trouble. But what happened to me the other time, it was actually two other times, but um, is I didn't realize what was going on. It was one second, you're there. It was kind of like, uh, I'll put it this way, have you ever gotten surgery? Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> and you know how yeah, oh, yes. backwards? It's exactly the same thing as that. Uh, so I never, I never get, when they ever say count backwards, it's like 10 and I'm done. Exactly. That's, that's exactly the same thing. Basically what they do um, is they give you a drug overdose when you're, but they keep you alive. They breathe for you, but that's what they do um, is they give you a drug overdose when they put you under anesthesia. It's a high dose of I think propofol, but they, they used to actually use fentanyl and some types of opiates. So, um, but they do give people a drug overdose. So that, that is probably the closest you'll ever um, get to what happens. And I had heard, you know, people, they wake up and they're frightened and they run. And I used to say, oh, that's people that would never happen to me, but it actually did happen to me. I woke up in an ambulance. And for some reason, when you wake up and people bring you back to life, there's something scary about it. And, um, so when you see people panic, when they, they get brought back to life, I, I understand that I've been through it. So. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. Now, I want to, you know, because we're talking about addiction and uh, I pulled some statistics. And in 2018, which is the latest statistics we have, 72,000 people died of drug overdose. And and what you're working to do is to make it possible for people to understand that they don't have to, that they can get the help that they need. But the help that's available right now isn't as good as the help needs to be? Is that kind of where you're coming from? Yes. Yes, exactly. The help right now um, is basically all it does is remove the drugs, um, which is great, but the person still has to go back in society. They get out of rehab after 30 days, and they're still left with that same person inside. So what needs to focus on is why the person in the first place went to these drugs and what is hurting so much inside of them and that needs to be healed especially for an addict like me i needed to heal inside of me before i would even have a chance at saying so if you take the drugs away which is necessary don't get me wrong but without healing what's wrong that person's going to leave that rehab and they're going to be around and i could go and get drugs any day i want and uh, when you're still broken inside, the it may not be the first day, it may not be the second day, but when you have that pain inside, eventually that person's going to give in. And most people that die of overdoses do it when they're clean. So they've been clean for 
two, you know, a month, and then the first time they go back and use, they don't know their tolerance, and they die. It's what happened to me. It's what happened to almost, I'd say maybe eighty-five percent of the people that I know that have overdosed and died were clean. And then I just want to use one more time. You know, I want to can't stand the way I feel, and they go back and use, and their tolerance is not even close. Uh, to what it used to be, and they don't know. You never know. It's not like the drug dealer is telling you exactly what you're getting, and so they would they they overdose and they die. Absolutely, and, um, Matthew, you had a question. Yeah, Andrew, I'm curious. On more than one occasion, you have by legal definition overdosed. Did it cross over where you were possibly clinically not with us, where you had that beyond experience? One time, I I, ha I was out for enough time that it did, but I don't remember the beyond experience. I, I wish I did so I could tell people what I saw, and, but I really don't remember it. Well, so I, I think there wasn't enough for me to remember. Maybe you could dream it. That that you know, I don't know, uh, but maybe hypnotist. Exactly. By the way, we're talking with uh, Andrew Mann. He's the author of the book Such unfortunate it's a book about addiction and it's a book about how to cure addiction and how to help somebody get through it in a unique and innovative way and if you since 72,000 people in our country not in the world that's just our country in uh, uh, 19 died of overdoses if you have somebody that you would like us to talk to or if you have a question for Andrew, you are most welcome to, uh, we have people that are listening to this broadcast. So if you would like to ask Andrew a question, all you got to do on your Podbean app is in, in, down below there, it says, become a caller, punch that, and you'll come up on our screen, and then we can ask Andrew uh, then you get to be on the radio and ask Andrew a question. So if you'd like to do that, please feel free at any time during our discussion today. Andrew is an extraordinary human being. He's been through the the wars and has come out the other side. And he's now doing some extraordinary work with with putting together a couple of things and uh, talk more about the uh, the rehab center and what your ideals for the rehab center are going forward. And, and like you said, I, I'm happy to answer any question I can. I'll, I'll answer it to the best of my ability. And there really is no stupid question or, or no question that, you know, you're not going to insult me. You can ask whatever you'd like. Because you do that all the time. What's that? You do that all the time. You talk to people who, who call you, okay. have read your book. They, they're interested in, in some help. And you're able to do, work with them and help them, right? I, I happily anyone, whether, you know, they are uh, talked to people who have talked to doctors, um, you know, I've had doctors that have had questions uh, that have asked me, you know, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And, you know, and I, I was interested in how many uh, doctors have actually contacted me about it and said, do you think it would have been this would have been, the, you know, they asked me a lot of stuff. So I'm glad they do um, because it shows that they want to learn for to be able to know what's the right thing to do um but like you said what i'm planning with the rehab in the future I, I go to a lot of rehabs i speak at them i try to as much as possible 
um, to go and either into the detoxes or there's a local rehab that I was actually at. So I like to go speak there. Um, and it gives me sort of, I listen to what the people say and, and I find some ideas of what's, what's helped them and what doesn't help them. And, and a lot of these people are dealing with a lot of issues inside, like I said before, that really need to be healed, that the places are just not equipped to heal. Uh, it's just not the, it's more of, they're more set up that you come in, you know, you, we get the drugs out of your system and, and that's really the extent of it. They may see a counselor and they may fill out what, you know, they, their drug of choice and they have them, what drug have you used and how much have you used and you go through and you write it all down and, and you realize your life's a mess. And, you know, but it really doesn't solve the problem. And that is why I want to have a rehab that actually solves the problem. And I think there needs to be alternative ways, um, different therapies that can help people out. And, and I'm open to suggestions because there are people who, you know, use different things that have helped them to get and stay sober. So I'm definitely open to that. Anything that could help people, I'm open to. And I also believe a person needs enough time. You know, if you give someone two weeks in a rehab or even 30 days, it's really not enough time if they've been using for a long time to get their brain focused where the right, where they need to be. And so my whole goal would be a lot of times it's financial. They get into a rehab and, and the insurance company says, listen, we'll pay for 10 days or we'll pay for 30 days. And whatever they'll pay for, the rehab says, okay, you're good after that many days. So if you're in there and the rehab says they'll pay for 30 days, you're saying for 30 days of treatment is what you need. If they say they'll pay for 10 days, 10 days of treatment is all you need. So. It's really based financially, and I would hope that I could develop a rehab that wasn't based around that, that either if we got enough donations or federal funding, which I think there are enough super wealthy people in this country that want to help, and this would be a great thing for them to get involved in. They could really save lives doing this, and they could see the people's lives that they are saving. And, um, I mean, it just... When you see someone who has been down and out in addiction and out on the street and they look terrible and in a year they turn their whole life around, you see the life in their face come back and they're out trying to do good for the world and they, they're going to be a family member again. And, you know, it's just, it's such a great thing to see and it's such a great thing to be involved in. If I, if I was a billionaire, I would love to get involved in. You and me both. Matt, did you have yep. a question? Andrew, you just taught me something. The books I write about have to do with the unsung hero, the underdog, and I lean towards people who are from broken homes or seniors who are forgotten. Things that sort of dynamics out of their control put them in the state. They're not to forget them. Well, you just showed me that the same thing holds true with people who are addicted. They're wonderful people, and because the pain of life, they had fallen into that. And as long as that pain is not resolved, it'll be reoccurring. We're talking about 1% to 3%. And so I now know, to go a little further and wider, excuse me, and the next few books I write, 
they're going to include the Andrews out there because God sent you on a mission. You made it through there so you could turn around and show everyone else there's a way out. And I love that because there should be no time limitation on rehab and it's forever and ever, then keep it forever and ever, but none of this 10, 20 day stuff. That's it's great, man. I'm glad you see that. I really am. I, I will definitely get some of your new books and I, I really appreciate you saying that. That's, that's awesome that you picked up on that. So, I wish more people would do that. So, Andrew, are you trying to tell me that the treatment is more um, based upon your ability to pay and the insurance company's ability to pay than it is about the results that you achieve while you're in rehab? And if you get 10 days, because that's all the insurance company will pay for and you're homeless or even the state, that's all they'll pay for, then in 10 days, magically, you're cured and they kick you out? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm telling you, and that's exactly what's going on. Well, that sucks. All around this country right now, and these people leave after they've been in a rehab for ten days. They're kicked out. Um, You know, they don't. Ten days is not enough time. They've been using for years. Ten days, their brain's still all wired. They're put right back into the position that they were, and they literally have such a. It's like winning the lottery chance of staying sober. I mean, it's just what I, I really, I, I saw an area near Gettysburg that I thought would be perfect for one of these places. Cause I would really think of a longer term situation and I would have the people maybe work at the animal shelter part. Like at first it could be the rehab working on them. And then after they could live there until they were ready to go back into the society, and maybe work at the animal shelter and do other things to give back and help around there until they really were strong enough to go back into society. And that's what I want to have my thing modeled around. I don't want to tell people, you know, you've been here for 10 days and your insurance company says you're cut off. So goodbye. Good luck. You know, it's just, uh, it's really a shame. We've lost some really good people. Andrew, you know, I, I had a friend that his whole goal was to cure cancer. since He was a little kid and he's dead. And it's just, it's, and I really believe if that, if there was one person, I think I told you about him last time yep. in medical school, he's dead. And I mean, since he was like six years old, his whole mission in life was just to cure cancer. And we're, um, it's just, I, I just, I don't know. I think the war on drugs has put the stigma on drug addicts that they're the evil people climate I don't I don't know and and it's just um, you know there are evil people that are drug addicts there are evil people that aren't drug addicts but that doesn't mean the vast majority of addicts you take the drugs away and they're great people you know but it's uh, it's just things have just gotten so out of whack and I wouldn't know it if I wasn't involved and, and saw it firsthand. I wouldn't get to know that. And um, so I guess I need to, that's what I'm hoping the book brings more attention. Um, And I think it is becoming more well-known, you know, Kevin. Well, our goal is to make that happen for you because this is, you know, that book that you've written, a lot of people are who get it and read it. It helps them. 
Matt, did you, yes. have a, did you have a question? Yes, I appreciate how you keep reflecting on the importance of animals because they have such an unconditional love. Recently, Kevin interviewed me on an Animal World show, and in fact, we'll be co-hosting with him one, every one Sunday every month. And then you're mentioning it, how it helps. In a book I wrote, The Meadowdale Community Project, it stems around animals giving that universal love that when people meet them halfway, it enhances their life. We have a common ground here. So animals, they are great therapy. Uh, just A plus on that. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I, I can't say enough about animals. And I've seen a room light up. I was in this one rehab and this guy came by just once a week for an hour. And he would bring this dog. And no matter how upset people were and what was going on in their life for that hour, everyone was everyone was just it was like it was like a, a miracle this was non-chemical this was just pure happiness and um i know animals can help people with addiction and there's no question in my mind tell me about bob the cat bob yeah the cat there's, bob the, this this gentleman um i think his name was james and he was in England and he was homeless and he was um, an addict out on the street. And one day he found this kitten um, that was very ill and sort of they ran into each other in a, uh, an abandoned building and the kitten was almost on its deathbed. And this guy, even though he was an addict, said he just couldn't leave it there. So he started taking care of it and... Um, you know, actually, it grew up with him, and he was able to heal it. And through this cat, the love from this cat, he, he at the first, you know, because when you're an addict, it's a very selfish existence. All you're thinking about is me, me, me. I need to wear like a drug stuff. You know, that, that's it. That's all your brain tells you. I need to get drugs. That's what's important. But he had to start caring about something else. And people started seeing him with this cat. And so they would give him money and talk to him and, and the cat would perform with him. And eventually uh, he wrote a book about the, and it's, I forget the exact name of it, but I saw it today. It was uh, the cat Bob who saved me. I'm sure if you Google it, you'll be able to find it. Um, and I'm pretty sure his name was James. And the book became a, a bestseller in England and it's really turned his whole life around. And it's a, uh, it, it just even reinforced, and this was after I'd come up with my idea, I just sold it today, but it's so reinforced what animals can do for people with addiction. And I believe if everyone had to care for an animal um, that was trying to get better, it would be such a healing experience for them. So and, I would. Uh, Andrew, I'd like, you, I'd like your uh, um, advice for the uh, government of where I live. Uh, which is in the Northwest in the Seattle area, homelessness and, um, and drug addiction is running rampant. And there we have more and more people that are living on the streets. And if it were your world, okay, I'm going to create a new position and it's called King Andrew. King Andrew, I would like you to tell us how you would solve the homeless problem if you had a magic wand and can just make it happen. The 
there are two ways that would solve the homeless problem. One that is very probably the most, what you, especially what you're seeing out there, is to solve drug addiction. The homeless problem will file a suit after that. Most of the people I'm betting that you see out there that aren't mentally ill, the reason they're homeless is because of drug addiction. So if you were able to focus on solving drug addiction and not just putting those people in a detox for a week and, and charging the government $1,000 a day and then saying, we gave you a week's worth of detox, how come you're not clean and sober and then throwing them back out homelessness, you know, back out homeless and expecting them to be a miracle. If you were able to actually heal these people, the homeless problem would fix itself. Uh, there is a percentage of homeless people out there that are mentally ill. Uh, and I mean, they're just, and that is sort of the minority now. I think it used to be the majority, but now that the drug addiction has gotten such a problem, when I was in Camden, I'd say maybe 5% of the people were mentally ill to the point that was the only reason they were on the street. And 95% of them had drug addiction or alcoholism, and that was the real reason they were out there. So to fix it, my main magic wand would be focus on fixing drug addiction, and that will take, the homeless situation will take care of itself. Because being homeless is an awful existence. It is not showering, just living that horrible life where no one wants you to, you know, especially in the cold, it's just an awful way to live. And no one in our society should be living like that. They really shouldn't. We spend a trillion dollars on the military. I mean, a fraction of that is every homeless person in this country. But the problem is when they're addicted, it doesn't matter if you get them home, they're going to go out and search for the drugs. So my answer would be is to solve the drug addiction. The homeless problem will fix itself. Now, won't that also help us with our, uh, um, um, with our uh, robbery problem and theft problem, and and oh, you have no idea. That's the, <clears throat> uh, I say that too. Ninety five percent of that is drug addiction. The reason that people are stealing, the reason that people are robbing and doing all that. If you look behind it, it's it's all focused around drug addiction. I think it was Portugal legalized all drugs. It just said it just got so bad there. They legalized everything from cannabis to crack. They just couldn't take it anymore. Um, and the crime rate dropped in 10 years, like 85%. And drugs are legal. You can go get them anywhere you want. And actually, drug usage dropped. I know it doesn't make sense. But overdoses dropped because, you know, they basically said these people are going to use heroin whether it's legal or not. Um, you know, if we're making it. And so... What I'm saying by that is they took the need away so people didn't need to go around. I mean, and they, they crime dropped 85% in 10 years. So if you were able to fix the drug addiction, heal those people, you would not have the robberies. I mean, it would drop so drastically. So the, the, these people, the crime, the crime, uh, um, the crime epidemic, would would uh, slow down quite a little bit because I see guys all the time um, getting bicycles and they and they 
they they take bikes and then they resell them or they sell them to goodwill and all that and a bunch of other stuff that the, the people are continually doing to to feed their drug habit. By the way, I wanted to ask you, how much were you spending in a week on drugs? There were points in my life that I would spend, uh, I mean, I was at least spending $300 a day, so I guess $2,100 in a week. So when I was homeless, spending maybe, if I could make $25 a day, but um, what I would do is I became a runner when I was homeless in Camden and then people would come down to buy drugs and they would, they'd want someone to walk with them and they had a bunch of different drugs at them because I lived out there. It was better to have somebody else with you in Camden. And so they would buy me drugs just to walk with them. And I had a group of people that would come down every day. So it kind of, that's how I really survived out there and kept my addiction without going into horrible withdrawal. I wasn't really high I just kept my body from going into awful withdrawal. And, um, you know, I explain it in the book. But there was a point in my life that I think I probably could have spent easily $1,000 a day. Holy I had, uh, Yep, I had done well in the stock market. Uh, and I was working for JP Morgan, and I had a lot of money at one point, And it just... Uh, None, none of that mattered. When I, the only thing that matters was the drug addiction. And if I had had $20 million, I, I talk about in the book, there was actually a girl I met in South Florida who had won the Kentucky Powerball. Um, and at that time, it was the third largest in United States history. It was right before September 11th. Um, her and her husband, David, her name is Shauna Edwards, they won the Powerball for, I think it was $293 million. <laughs> Four people ended up winning, and they walked away with I think twenty eight million after taxes and the one lump sum. But they became horrible drug addicts, and they basically, after eight years, spent every penny they had and were living in a storage unit in South Florida. Oh my gosh! Yep. Tell if you look it up, type in uh, David and Shona Edwards. Powerball winners, the story is from rags to riches to rags because they were completely broke before they won it and they ran through $28 million. Shona was doing 50 Oxycontin 80 milligram tablets a day. So Andrew, she was spending $5,000 a day at one point. Andrew, we're out of the state of Washington and the very first lottery we had, the first lottery winner, going into it, the guy had a wonderful job, the gal had a wonderful job, a nurse. Couple of years later, they were flat broke with their addictions. They said it was the worst curse. It's like a kid at a candy yep. store and all that money. Uh, here you go, go enjoy life. And they weren't ready for that amount. It ruined their lives. Yep. You're exactly right. Well, although I'd I like to give it a shot. It's hard to fathom. I know. It, it, it really is. By the way, we're talking with Andrew Mann. He's the author of the book, Such Unfortunates. It's a book about addiction. It's a book about how to get out of addiction. And by the way, if you'd like to give us a call, you can do that by uh, because this is Podbean, just by press the call button and uh, you can talk to Andrew. If you know somebody who is in the process of, of addiction, if you know somebody who could, Andrew could help, if you're on the line and you're that person 
Give us a call. Andrew, he does this all the time. And by the way, you do it for free, don't you, Andrew? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't uh, charge anyone anything. So I even have sent people my book for free that couldn't afford it. Well, you also I, uh, you also sent it to Ellen DeGeneres, and I think she can afford it, but I think it's a good thing that you did that. Yes, yes. I'm hoping uh, she would have me on her show one day. I really am. I, I believe if my book got out there, I, I know it can help people because it already has. It's just I need uh, sort of the break to get on the Oprah or the Ellen type of show that it can get out to enough people um, and that it would... Uh, I know. I know it can save lives, and I know it can change lives. Andrew, I've got a question for you. Sure. Looking at the big picture, do you think you were brought into this life to actually go through what you went through so that now you could be here and draw attention to what you went through? And again, there are people out there that will be Andrews, but you went through this. This was your calling in life, and you've lived it, and now you are living this cause. Yes, I I do now. That's the way I look at it. Um, because before it didn't make sense to me. I, I couldn't understand why I've been given such a burden. I've had a lot of people ask me. They said, "How can you know? You should be around bitter. You should be angry. You know." But it's not the way I look at it. I almost I had heard a guy say this a long time ago in an AA meeting. He said, "You know, I wake up every day and I thank God for." being an alcoholic and I said, what is this guy crazy? You know, but then I started now that I actually got on the other side of things and I look back without this, I wouldn't be able to help people out. I wouldn't exactly. be able to write a book. I wouldn't, when I wake up in the morning, I, I'm so thankful that I am not drug sick where other people take things for granted. I don't, I don't take my driver's license for granted. I don't take a bank account for granted credit card, things like that. I am so thankful to have money in my wallet, to have food in the refrigerator. And these are things I never cared about before in my life, but now I, I am so grateful for them just to have a TV and warmth. It's things that you wouldn't, you normal people take for granted, especially in the United States. But once you've lost everything, it's hard to explain. There's this freedom that, that comes to you um, when you break free of this. And now I've started to see that, yes, I do believe that I had to go through this because there's no reason I should be alive. I should be dead probably 50 times over. And the only reason I can think of that I went through everything I went through uh, is to be beacon of hope for people and help as many people as I can. I agree and with that 100%. Thank you. Well, I, that's, um, that's, that's awesome. Because, no, you know, Andrew, one of, one of the things is that when you were going through this, in, in, in addition to, and we haven't touched on it on this episode, you and I have talked about it before, um, in addition to what you went through as an adult, the roots of all that happened when you were a child, right? Correct. Correct. And I, um, and that was that was the beginning of a really really rough time for you. Absolutely, absolutely. There's just no two ways about it. I had a, an awful childhood. It just did nothing. Something I wouldn't wish on 
on anyone. I mean, you know, childhood is supposed to be a time of carefree. You're supposed to be loved and feel supported and, and taken care of. And I, I, I never had any of that. It was, um, you know, I was never, I just wasn't raised in that type of environment. I was raised in a, a very abusive, very inappropriate, just awful environment. And which led to a lot of problems in life because I didn't know how to develop healthy boundaries. So as a young child, I became bullied a lot by other kids. And, you know, I, I didn't deal with that in high school, but as a young child, I dealt with it horribly. And so when I see these kids dealing with bullying, I, I sympathize with them so much because, you know, a lot of the kids that end up being bullied are kids that, you don't know what that kid's going through at home. And uh, so I am, I just, you know, I feel for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I not only was dealing with that, but I developed horrible anxiety and depression. And so, so bad that I never really knew what happiness was. Um, it wasn't until recently that I've actually known what it's like to be really happy without drugs. Uh, the only time in my life that I was actually enjoyed waking up was when I had some narcotic in my system. Otherwise than that, when you're depressed and you believe you're going to die every day from that anxiety attack and you're being abused at home, you're being bullied at school, and you have a brother who's, I mean, it's just, I had nowhere to run. Um, and, and drugs were really an outlet, the only outlet I had to go. And uh, I would not wish that on my worst enemy I wouldn't but as I said before uh, I'm able to look back on it and say you know maybe I can help people that are kids from going through this and and change things for people so they don't have to go through what I went through so tell us about the um, the folks that entered your life magically and mysteriously when you were on the streets who suddenly were there for you and helped you through it because nobody gets through this by themselves. There were people there that cared deeply about you, weren't there? There was, there was absolutely. Um, the, uh, first in Camden, um, there was a woman that used to see me on the streets and she would drive up and she would give me money every day. And it was really amazing. And she had a cross on her. She was a very Christian lady and I, I wasn't a religious person, but I, I really, uh, appreciated uh, her every day and she would come and she, you know i'm a male in homeless person in the middle of the most dangerous city in the world and this woman had no fear at all coming up to me it was just unbelievable and she was the sweetest thing and she worked at a local hospital and she would just come up and she would just you know uh you know give me money which you know was really nice of her but she would always say kind words and you know want to help me out and then there was a teacher named John who was amazing and the same thing would come by and he wouldn't give me money, but he kept trying to get me off the street and into a rehab and kept saying, you know, don't you have family and can I do it for you? And is there anyone I can help you? And he would bring me food and he introduced me to Kelly Ripa's father, Joe Ripa, the talk show host's father. Um, would come out to Camden and he feeds the homeless people. He's a politician in New Jersey, but he's a very nice man. And 
and we're still friends to this day on Facebook. We talk almost every night. Um, but his name is Joe Ripa and he's a great guy, but he would, um, he and John helped me get Medicaid so I could actually get into a treatment center. Um, and they got me on methadone because I refused the leave in withdrawal. And so they, they actually were instrumental in getting me off the streets. And the thing was, they had no reason to be. They didn't know me from anyone. They just saw a guy on the street that needed help. And, you know, they had their own things going on with their lives. And I am so grateful to these men um, and will always be, you know. I, um, I, I just, uh, it's some, they're just amazing people. They really are. They're like angels. And then the last person to enter my life that really made uh, the final huge difference was Karen. And she is uh, another angel in my life that I consider just uh, a blessing that I, uh, you know, I just couldn't believe how great she was to me um, and the things she did for me. I mean, that was the first time I had ever believed anyone really loved me in my life. And the healing that she was able to provide me, she was able to be a, a non-judgmental ear, and I shared everything, my deepest, darkest secrets with her first. And that gave me the strength to share them with the world because she still loved me after hearing them. And that's another thing about being an addict. Most people have their secrets they keep inside. You know, people don't know about them. And, and I kept all that inside. I didn't want people to know I was an addict or they had been abused or any of that stuff. I swore I'd never tell anybody. I was always going to keep that inside. And that kept me so sick. And once I was able to share that, it's tough doing it. But it was such a weight, such a burden lifted uh, that it's just been amazing. But, um, you know, there's the people that I consider angels, and I wrote about them in my book. Um, there was another man, Paul, who used to come by and help me every day, too. And uh, it's just uh, there are some really great people in this world. And, uh, you know, that's, that's another thing about writing my book. I wanted to mention all of them because I always thought it would be pretty neat if somebody mentioned me in a book. So I <laughs> wanted to do that so they would be mentioned, which they rightfully should. They're all heroes in my book. Now I got a question for you because... I, um, in the city that I live, I've been a, a city bus driver and I see guys that are homeless and they don't appear to be like out of their mind high. So are you, but what I'm getting from you, Andrew, is that there are lots of these guys that are, they need to take the drugs to keep from going into withdrawal because they're addicted to them but they don't have enough money to get necessarily high. They're just trying to maintain a status quo so that they can function. Is that how that works? Right. Right. When your body becomes addicted to opiates, um, there's this misconception out there that oh, you just feel a little sick, it's like a cold and, and you just could get over it. And it's, it's when your body becomes physically addicted to opiates, it is, you and I get into this in my book what it's like um, but it is it's just the most um, you will feel like you have the plague and everything in your body is screaming for you to go get that next drug 
you won't be able to sort of function without it. And so, yes, all the people on the street were just, they don't have the money to, even if they steal, maybe they get high, you know, once a week, but there, it's about maintaining and not going through that withdrawal. And that's what I was fighting. You're fighting, you're basically a prisoner in your own body. And the withdrawal is that awful uh, that it really is. It is, there's, it's hard to really describe it in words, um, but it is by far the worst thing I've ever felt. The worst pain, the worst misery, just all encompassing everything awful, opiate withdrawal. There's nothing on this earth that's even come close to it for me, how awful it is. And you'll and do that's what keeps a lot of people sick. And that and you'll do anything, anything to keep from feeling that pain. Oh yeah. I broke my hand with a hammer just so someone would give me uh, painkillers. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. I wrote about it in the book, smashed my hand. Oh my god. Did you have a question? Yeah. Yes, I really respect how you bring in the concept of angels. My mom told me throughout our lives they appear. And after a while, we start to recognize it. And I remember many, many years ago when I was going through divorce and so forth, something compelled me to walk down the street to a local grocery store. I didn't know what I was going to buy. There was a person standing outside. They weren't panhandling. But this person in the middle of the night recognized that I was going through a hardship. They listened to me for a couple minutes, gave me some sound advice that everything's okay to pray, everything's okay, just an acid test, everything's okay. This complete stranger calmed me, and then he turned around and walked away. I remember it was really a foggy, rainy night, walked away, and then I never entered the store. Something compelled me to be at that store to get this, and I refer to him as an angel. It's over 30 years later and throughout the week, I remember that moment looking at this person, and you've had such, we'll call them angels, that that time and place they knew they were going to meet you they were there for andrew yep yeah wow wow it's no exactly that's neat that you had that experience that gave me the strength to continue that's all i needed it gave me enough lift where i got the air under my wings and here you are today look at you um (laughs) by the way we have somebody who would like to talk to you andrew so i'm going to invite them on the show right Sure, sure, no problem. Oh, let's connect to Nordy. How are you today? Are you there? Caller? I have to hit okay. Now can you hear me? Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on just a second. I gotta I gotta do that. Okay. <laughs> are we connected? You you are connected. I have to push the right button and, and okay. I trained myself to do that. Ow. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Hey, Andrew, I'm enjoying. I've heard you before on uh, Kevin's um, podcast, but I, I sure am, uh, you know, really amazed at your journey and what you've been through. And you have a heart for uh, trying to help people instead of just saying, thank God I'm over this. I'm just going on with my life. And what a inspiration you are. You, you mentioned about your childhood and being bullied and how did this impact, and I know you have probably a lot of experience on how this impacts families, but did you find your family just got so fed up that they just said, just go away and come back when you're clean? Or 
Was it an ongoing? And what kind of relationship do you have with your family today? Uh, hi. Well, thank you for your kind words. This is very sweet. I really appreciate that. Um, my family, I, how do I put this? We were sort of, I, I wouldn't use them as a, the best example um, when it comes when I'm trying to get, basically, um, how do I put this the best way? What I would say is this. I, I know exactly what you mean by a family's getting to the point where they just say, you know, enough's enough and we need you to move on. You're talking about when someone's addicted and what do families do when they have someone that's just, Correct. you know, Correct. going through this addiction and, and, you know, they just are lost. And, and I completely know that uh, aspect of addiction where there really isn't much they can do. And it, it gets to the point where it's not healthy for them if it's just, you know, in the point where it's enabling and the person just wants to take, take, take. Um, with my family, it's really not the best sort of example. Uh, my, um, it was, if you, if you read the book, you'll understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. But I do understand where you, I'd say it's, it, there needs to be a good, sort of balance between both, okay? Just saying, you know, enough's enough and, and you're kicked out on the street and we don't want anything to do with you will not work. It's not going to solve either way. It's going to really hurt. But taking that person in and throwing money at them and just, hey, everything's fine, doesn't work either. I think the best way for families to really deal with this addiction is to tell the person, listen, if you go get help, and go into either a treatment or a detox, and you make the effort to try to get clean, um, either after with NA or AA recovery, we will stand behind you. But if you don't, and you're just here to use and use us, it's then that you cut the person off. If that helps at all, does that help you? Yeah, it does, because we've had um, experience with our neighbors and their son, and uh, it, it was just was a very difficult situation, and where do you draw the line? They ended up basically saying, because he wasn't interested in recovery, they basically said, just leave. So, and then he's living in the woods, and <laughs> I don't know what his situation is currently, but I just wondered what your opinion is as how, you know, the people that keep trying rehab and rot and try and try and try. And then, you know, so that's very helpful. Thank you very much. What I think just that I think needs to be real quick, if I can say this to you, there's a reason why he is using these drugs so destructively. It needs to be, I don't know what he's been through personally, I don't know if he's had an abusive childhood. I don't know if if there's anything behind there, if he's got some mental things going on. But if he is ever going to be better, I know if he's probably been to these 30-day rehabs and he comes out and promises the world, and then in a few weeks he's back using again. Is that sort of the, the thing that's happened with him? Right, right. And he was adopted, so he has adopt, you know, attachment issues, and they put him on uh, Adderall. No, they put him on ADD medication when he was five because he was so okay. hyper and so that sort of lended itself what what i understand that sort of lended itself to naturally moving on to the next drug so right. that's how he right. started it is it's like methamphetamine if you know what Adderall or any of those drugs are like 
And for an addict, someone that's prone to that, that just sets it off in the beginning. But yeah. the thing is, with me, yeah. I, I really think that if for this person, my best advice would be instead of just focusing on the drugs, he should really try to focus on why he took the drugs in the first place. Right. There's something right. behind whether it's the adoption issues. There's something missing in him. And until he heals that, this this continuation of wanting to use drugs and lying to the family, I'm sure he's stealing and all that stuff, it's going to yes. keep going on until they fix what's going on. So for him to just be at home and, and, and put his parents in an early grave, I do not think is a good idea. So I support them there, but also there needs to be an answer to help fix this guy. Uh, like I was telling them, I'm trying to start a foundation where I actually right. take people in and make them better, not just have them there for 30 days and then throw them back to their parents. So that is my goal. To help well, them. blessings to you. And I hope uh, that a millionaire comes, a millionaire comes by and, uh, cause you have a wonderful mission and, uh, Best of Thank luck and much. God's blessings to you. Thank, Thank you. It was very nice speaking with you. Thank you, caller. You have yourself a wonderful day. It's it's great. You are, by the way, our first caller. <laughs> the first caller that we uh, um, have on the line. So that uh, so that's really cool that that, that you wanted to call in because, uh, like I said, yeah. this this is a brand new little. Uh, um, um, uh, show that we're doing and we're going to be doing this live four days a week tuesday wednesday thursday friday from noon until two um at least that's the way we're looking at it right now so we'll see how that goes on the radio and whatever and so i love what you're doing Kevin. that's awesome that you're trying to help people it's great well it's 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 great fun to bring people like you here and and people like matt matt has got such a good heart and he's 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 trying to write books that will appeal to you i wanted to ask your appeal to people i wanted to ask you when you got clean and sober what was it that motivated you because i asked everybody this it's kind of a rule what was it that motivated you to write this book what passion was inside you that you wanted to share your experiences because you have to kind of like, I don't know, it's well, like going to school in your underwear and then you have to free yourself and let everybody look well, inside you and all that. Right. They have my little, yeah, I had, while I was um, in seeing a counselor, uh, she had asked me to write a few paragraphs of something that had happened in my life. She said, you know, write down something that's happened in your life. And I wrote it down and she, yeah, no. Wow, this is really good. Well, um, but don't forget what about writing oh. more. And I said, no. About uh, a month later, um, she said, you know, would you mind doing a little bit more and getting a little more in depth? So I wrote a couple pages down, I gave it to her, and then uh, these three people came to me and said, you've got a really amazing story. Um, talk to me about it. And I started talking to them, and they said, you really need to write a book. Um, and one was a woman that she works at a treatment center now. Her name's Lauren, and, and she said she would help me with some of the logistics about getting in with my treatment center. But she was one of the people that said, you know, you really need to write a book. You've got some amazing things. Um, your story could be inspirational. And, uh, and, and I hope I can help people like the caller who just called. I, I thought that was very sweet that she was calling for her friends. You can see, you know, I, I know, I know where she's at. It's a tough situation. 
because I want to say, hey, send them to my foundation. I'll make the guys better. You know, <laughs> it, it drives me nuts. I really wish I I could say that um, because that's really what I wanted to say to her. Um, but, you know. Well, I you just, just did. She's still listening. So you're good. Okay. <laughs> no, I just wish I had the foundation to be able to say that is what I mean. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I really do that. I wish I could. Someday I'm going to. I would. I take everyone in. I could. I really would. Well, this is what I this is what I envision for you, young man. Are you ready? Here's my here's my psychic self coming out. What I envision is you're going to have a really large facility that is going to help people get clean and sober, and then you're going to give them a job. There's going to be a restaurant. There's going to be a, a animal care center. There's going to be a, a place where horses can be uh, 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 stabled, and and it's going to be. And all these people are going to work, and they're going to work for free because you're going to take care of them. And somebody's going to come and fund the whole thing. How about that? I, I that sounds great. That sounds terrific. I uh, I sounds really great, Kevin. I I, I love your confidence and. Uh, there's something that makes me think you're you're definitely not far off. So let's really hope. <laughs> well, that's yeah. that's that's just a dream of mine because you know, there, Andrew. Honestly, there are not a lot of people that are willing to. And trust me, I've I've been around a lot of homeless people in the last eleven years, and there aren't a lot of people that that are willing to after they go through that. And then they're they're clean and sober, and they're living their life. I understand. Uh, at least last time we talked, you had a wonderful fiance. I hope that's still the case. It's still the case, absolutely. She's great, and you've got a wonderful life. By the way, in case uh, somebody wants to know, what are you doing for uh, a living these days? Well, I, I I'm involved in solar energy. I told you that. Oh, that's you right. Know, I, Tell us about that. That that is really yeah. interesting. Well, I got involved in it. Uh, a friend of mine um, was starting a solar energy company, and he, uh, you know, contacted me and said, you know, I'd like you to sort of uh, look into this. I'm trying to get in. He's in Utah, and he said, I'm trying to get all over New Jersey, um, and I, I want to teach you about it. But basically, New Jersey has one of the best areas. There's something called SREC. It stands for Solar Renewable Energy Certificate. They pay the highest amount. So someone can get a solar um, system on the roof. Uh, whereas before, people would just have to lease it. They can actually buy it for the roof. And um, it will, the, the whole system will basically cover their electric bill for the month. And they get, they don't have to put any money down and they get a payment around the average homes, like $200 a month, but they erase their electric bill and they're getting the SREC payment every month from the state, which is just about offsets their bill. So the state of New Jersey basically pays for them to get this thing on their roof. I mean, it's, it's like they're paying 20 bucks a month to eliminate their electric bill. Then when the system is paid off, it normally takes about 10 years for the system to be paid off. Their home's worth about 25 more thousand dollars. It's great for the environment. And the, the homes with solar are selling so much faster. So you imagine selling a home without an electric bill for life. Uh -huh. 25 years, that adds up. So really, uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Well, I was going to ask you, how heavy are the panels? Are, can, can they go on like on a manufactured home? Not that I'd have oh, one or yeah. anything. 
absolutely. They're kind of like an umbrella for the roof, which is really neat. Um, they they kind of make the roof last longer. They do. They you know it protects the roof when they put them up, and they've really gotten extremely efficient. Before people would get a lease from the company, and they they'd get like ten panels up on the roof, and they pay sixty bucks a month because no one ever wanted to um, put out loans for solar systems. And then, but the company got the SREC, so maybe saved twenty bucks a month or something. It really didn't make that much of a difference. But now, what we're doing is instead of putting ten panels, we're putting thirty-five panels. It's covering completely all their electric bills, so they don't have any electric bill for life. And with the state of New Jersey, it is. I mean, it's just it makes no sense not to go solar with the ASRAC payments. And you get them for ten years. After ten years, they're cut off. But for the next ten years, you'll receive. A payment of around, let's say, between one hundred and fifty and three hundred dollars a month for the average home. So we we live in the beautiful state of Washington, and one of the beautiful things about the state of Washington is we've got lots of clouds here. So lots of cloud formations. Uh, can solar work in a cloudy environment like I live in? Yes, yes, it can absolutely. Um, you know, they on uh, it's better uh, in areas where there isn't but the the way the sun works is it still gets through the clouds um and it still powers them but it's definitely an area like florida you're definitely going to get better um you know more power from the panels but I, I know that out in your area they do do solar and i actually learned about how it the sun's rays come through the clouds so it, it don't get me wrong it's much better to have it when it's not but you know, I'm sure you could still benefit from it. Oh, that's I would like to, if I had like a big open spot of land somewhere, I'd like to put panels all on there. It's also great for our environment too, which is, which is really cool. Well, I got yeah. one more question about that then. Sure. If, if you had say a couple acres and could you, could you actually um, create enough power to sell it back to the power company and make a living that way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The problem is getting the money to put it, you know, getting the land and then getting, but people do it. They do it all. You'll see they have like these solar farms that somebody will get up and they'll put a thousand solar panels. And after I think it's five years, the panels pay themselves almost completely. And then the, the company by law has to buy the power back. So after five years, it's just free profit you're making. And you're providing clean energy, which is, you know, so if you had a big plot of land, then um, I would think that would be a, a great thing to do. And so I know uh, I, I absolutely, I think that's, you know, I, I would love it if I had a big plot of land. But I, I like solar. I like the whole thing behind it. And I also um, work part time at a staffing company, too. So uh, we help find people jobs, and I like that too because there's a lot of people that still do need jobs that are looking for them. It's called Elgin Staffing. They're in all 50 states. Uh, my friend Matt is the president of the company around here, and um, I, I've really taken an interest in it. So it's uh, it's neat. I love the feeling of getting somebody a job. It's really uh, and people are really appreciative toward it. So what, what Elgin does is they'll go, 
like say a company needs um, like a hundred positions filled, they'll get as many, they'll find people and fill those positions. So, so I've got that, the over and the punk, all three going on. So I'm a busy guy lately. Well, that's, that's really, I, I wanted to ask you because as we're sitting here reading off the litany of the things that you're doing, there's a common theme here. And that is you're helping people. Have you been like that your whole life or did an angel come down and tap you on the head with a wand and say, you suddenly like people or tell me your story about that. Have you always been interested in helping people, even when you were in a drug induced coma? Kind of. Yes. It's weird. I don't know where that comes from. I really don't. I, I have since I was a child. That's something that people have always remarked. So I, I have, yes. That's why you're here, young man. And the drugs was, and the experiences that you had growing up and the drugs was just a kind of sidelight to put you in position to be able to do what you now are going to do. And you're going to soar and you're going to fly. And Ellen, open his package, read his letter, read the book and have him on the show. Awesome. I hope she does. Oh, <laughs> uh, can I come hold your coat? That would be great. Absolutely. You're absolutely on it with me. Oh. I'll say, especially maybe she'll hear it from your show, and then I can bring you on so I can say, this is how I was able to get on it. Kevin. Wouldn't that just be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? Be. By, absolutely. By the way. Oh, yeah, I would love to do it, Andrew. By the way, we're talking with Andrew Mann. He's the author of the book, Such Unfortunates. It is a, a book about drug addiction and how you can get out of it. Go to the book. Get the book. You can get it through Amazon. Uh, can they, get, they can get it through your website, too, right? Well, my website just sends them back to Amazon. Oh, okay. Um, well, that works. Yeah, um, Amazon is... Uh, Barnes and Noble has it online, but really Amazon's the easiest way to do it. Um, you, all you do, uh, go to Amazon. I have a link on my site, or if you go to Facebook, um, there's also a link for it too. Um, it's Facebook at Amazing New Book, brings you to my page. Um, and then, you know, it has links to the book and some other stuff. I put like interviews like this, I put on my Facebook and, um, or you can just go to Amazon, type in Such Unfortunates by Andrew Mann, M-A-N-N, and it'll come right up there. So you're becoming but, uh, a, you're becoming famous. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'd like to if, if if it could be used for the right thing, I would be happy with that. Absolutely. So, by the way, uh, um, Matthew, do you have anything that you'd like to add real quick? I'm inspired right now. Andrew, it takes a lot of courage to expose yourself. You have done just that. And look where you are. The entire world's listening to you right now. And I am going to get that book. I can't wait for that. The unfortunates, I know what that term means. And I am greatly against writing people off. We're not here for that. We're supposed to unite and move forward. Speaking of which, Andrew, you might want to just explain where that title came from, because I know that uh, Matt knows where it came from, but some of our audience might not. Okay, well, if if they ever go and attend an AA meeting, they'll go in and um, they read a, 
uh, thing in the beginning of these AA meetings, and it talks about these people they call such unfortunates, and they are people they consider constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves, and they seem to uh, be unable of getting this program. And any time I would sit through, I've probably been to maybe 500 AA or NA meetings in my lifetime. And I would sit to them and they would read that. I always thought that was me. And out of everyone in there, I was sure I was the one person that would not get sober. And I, I just always would hear that and said, I'm one of those people. And I wanted that to be so people could say, you know, if this guy could do it, anybody out there could do it. Because a lot of people that have written me in my book and said it helps me out. They said, you know, I've had a, like I told you about the girl last time. She was, oh my God, I, I was going to give up because it's just too much. And, you know, she's 21, but then I saw how much you went through and you were able to get through it. So, you know, it's worth fighting and I can do it. And, um, and that's the, the main message. Um, that's why I, I named the book Such Unfortunates. Was she able to get through it? Yes, she was. That's awesome. So I, um, that yeah, has to, that, that has to make you feel more and more. What that? I was going to say that that has to make you feel just so so incredibly grateful that you were provided the forum to be able to come up with this message to be able to put it out there because young man, you saved a life. Yeah, well, uh, there's a lot more out there that could be uh, could be could help people. Um, you know, there's a lot more lives that need to be saved. Uh, well, uh, you know, I would, uh, that would make me happy if we could really get out and, and save a lot more because just I mean, every day in this country, there's you so also, many, if you take the amount of people dying every day, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. You it also give people jobs. Yep. Yep. That is just a quick, quick math. Do the math. What is 72,000 divided by 365? I just dropped it. I had it down a moment ago. Oh, well, that's too bad. So <laughs> it's a lot. Whatever, whatever it is, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of people, and that. I'm guessing it's well, if we did a thousand three hundred, so I'm guessing it's about two hundred people a day, at least. Yeah, yep. or about ten people an hour. Let's say ten people every hour die from drug overdose. And I, the sad story, and you were talking about it earlier, how somebody is working to clean, to get clean and sober and yep. they are clean and sober for a couple, three weeks. They kick them out of rehab. Then they have a unforeseen negative event in their life and, or, or it could be a positive event that's in their life. And so they say, you know what? Woohoo. I'm going to go party. And I know a guy that was clean and sober for three weeks and um, they found him in a motel room with a needle still in his arm. Passed away. Because he just, yep. you know, and it happens all the time. And that's, and I'm just fortunate. I'm just glad that people like you exist so you can make a difference. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm pretty, uh, you know, I, I, my my work is far from done. You know, I'm just starting, and, and there's so much more I know I can do. Um, 
and that is my mission, and I, I, I enjoy it. It's, it. It helps me just as much. It helps someone else. I, I love it, and I really do. And so, by the way, will, uh, I, I, I wanted, I just wanted to make sure that everybody knows that you have a GoFundMe page that we that you put out there, and it actually was based upon the first interview that we did. I suggested you do what? it. You did it. And you've had, tell us about your GoFundMe page. What's that about? Yes, yes. And that was all from you. I, I was on, I did Kevin's podcast. Kevin said, why don't you know, get a GoFundMe page and start that out? And, and I did. And, um, you know, I, I, it's been moving along nice. I think there's $850 there right now. And so I'm also taking some of the proceeds from the book um, and putting that away towards it. So, there's about two thousand dollars we've saved up right now towards this. Um, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but everything's got to start somewhere, and we're going to get there. And um, you know, so we're, we're moving in the right direction. And so if you just happen to have, I don't know, some change jingling around in your pocket that you have no particular home for, suchunfortunates.com would be a great place to go. It's right there, I do believe, Andrew, that they can go to your uh, my you go to GoFundMe and just assert Such Unfortunates or Such Unfortunates Foundation, it will come up right there, um, and it'll tell you a little bit more in depth about what I want to do where I want to spend the money to start out. Um, my first goal is to just get one place up and running. Once I do that, I think it'll be a lot easier to get larger donations. And I want to have a place in, in every state. So there's not one mother that calls me and says, you know, my son or one lady like I called in before that has a neighbor or their children. And I can't say, oh, well, I have a bed for them. And so eventually I want to have one in all 50 states. And the cost of doing that would be little in comparison to putting someone in jail or the cost of them being out robbing and, and going through $1,000 a night detoxes that are just a waste of money. Um, it, would be, it would actually end up saving money in the long run, a lot of money to do this and help people instead of them going through this revolving door. So- you know what I was just thinking, too? It must be to, to raise a thousand dollars a day for a drug habit. If you, if some of these people who are able to raise that kind of money did it uh, for a good cause and were clean and sober, we'd have a lot of talented people running around out there, wouldn't we? Oh, absolutely. Some of the people that, uh, you know, have addiction, uh, you have no idea uh, how talented they are. A lot of these people have great hearts. Uh, they just me. need to be free of this addiction because it just, oh, you all you see is the negative. But you can see the positive and people turn their lives around. I've seen it. And they've just done some really great things, started great companies. And, you know, and I know the people would give back to the program. If I started this foundation and I was able to help them, I know they would give back to it. So grow that way too. Oh, I'm sorry. I have one. Well, that's awesome. By the way, yeah. um, we've been talking with Andrew Mann. He's written the book Such Unfortunate. And uh, Matthew, before we go, is there anything else you'd like to add? Again, I'm so they great. Came up and with family eye opener, and I limited my compassion to others. 
And I forgot that people who are addicts are also victims of circumstances of their All people. Right, let's try this again. If I stand corrected here. You taught me something, Andrew, and I owe you one for that. Oh, I'm tired of him saying that you taught Thank me something. Thank you very much, Matt. You've been a, 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 just everything, your two cents, everything you put in has been, it's been really great. And I really appreciate that, man. I do and uh you know he thank loves you himself man we've been again talking with andrew man go get his book such unfortunates it would make a great stocking stuffer for somebody that, that is having uh um, um some addiction issues that you can help and you know it doesn't i suspect andrew that it doesn't necessarily just have to do with opioids it could be if you're addicted to food addicted to tv addicted to to whatever you're addicted to can't your book help with that too Absolutely, absolutely. It all stems from the same place. Yes, it does. And it's just the addiction from, from it. So I would like to thank uh, Matthew. I'd like to thank Andrew. This was the first uh, live podcast. I've got somebody listening who is going to give me a report. Hopefully, I think it sounded good. It sounded good from where I am. So, and, we've, and we've had some some, some people uh, chime in. We've had uh, 20 people chime in and, and listen at one point. I'd like to thank uh, our caller and, uh, and everybody that's there. So with that, is there anything else you'd like to add? Give me a call, and I'll try to call next time. Thank you. If if anyone else, if there's any way I can help you and you want to try to reach me, you can reach me on Facebook. Um, Like I said, uh, it's Facebook at Amazing New Book. Um, I will try to get back to anyone I can. Um, Also, you know, like you said, the book's available, uh, Such Unfortunate, by Andrew Mann on Amazon, and also the GoFundMe page. Um, but like, uh, you know, all such unfortunate foundation on GoFundMe would appreciate anything, any, no, nothing small, anything's greatly appreciated. And, um, yeah, I uh, just think that Kevin, that's about it. Just that if anyone needs me, I will always get back to anyone who writes me. It may take me a day or two, but I will always get back. To well, we appreciate that. And so do the listeners. And by the way, can I bother you again in another couple of months? I really want Absolutely. to keep track of you much as you want don't bother me at all i'm happy to be on awesome i'll come on every week if you want me to okay well as soon as soon as ellen calls you back then then you will be in touch (laughs) (laughs) absolutely Uh, thank you again andrew for being on the show well you know matt this has been great fun and andrew that we've enjoyed you immensely it's been great to have you we could not have picked a better one all right guys you guys have a great day and i look forward to talking to you again from all the best okay thank you very much you have a great day my friend and i'll be in touch great bye guys take care bye and that that was uh andrew mann he is uh written the book such unfortunates he, he he did you enjoy him i thought he was pretty good today i enjoyed him but i was touched i learned a lot from him i was proud of the direction i was going for being positive for those less unfortunate and through Andrew, I was missing a whole sector of wonderful people, and they're now going to be part of my package. There you go. And that might even be a book that, because uh, you've got, you've got, you've written eight books. You've got thirty uh, in the uh, in the works at somewhere for. And uh, I think this would be, you know, that you should team up with him, write a second book. That would be good. Oh gosh, I again, how inspiring. 
Absolutely. By the way, you've been listening to my independence report. This is going to be a live podcast that we are going to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I would like to uh, announce here and now that on March 10th, um, and I'm not quite sure what time yet. They haven't gotten back to me, but John Edward, the uh, world famous psychic medium is going to be on the show for an entire hour. And go ahead. What, what, what's that? What you got? Oh, he's, he's written something down. It so, was just a hello list. Oh, that's right. Go ahead. For you those can, who weren't listening, they're you, going to be hearing the recording shortly. But my daughter, Laura, who is definitely girl power stuff, and I'll see if I can get her in with those girls on Wednesday. And a friend named Nani, who helps with seniors and so forth, a classy person. And then our friend Eileen Grimes, who is constantly reaching she's out. She's going to be here on Thursday. Incredible, world-renowned astrologer, among other things. And then I wanted to mention hello to my friend Kim, who helps out in the city area. Renee Klaus, I'm going to have on this week, just a sensational from Artistic Expressions with an X. A Sandra from Wisconsin who reads my books and always answers, gives encouragement. Oh, and a Sally like from Indiana who does a lot of editing for me. She teaches special eds. She's been doing yeah, it well. Possibly contributed to And I just had to do that. Oh, you're, you're more than welcome. And I got ah, so there you get your list longer than my list. I've only got I've only let's see. I've got uh, you know you can tell when your relatives support you when they listen to this the whole thing from beginning to end so roger and travis thank you so much for doing that it was great to have you on here um with that we are gonna i think we're gonna wrap it up now because oh, i've got a we're gonna do this afternoon. You <laughs> I listen to the whole dang time and, and, called in. and i called in <laughs> idiot. um my name is Kevin McDonald. You're listening to my independence report. Over there is Matt Shea. He's an author. Go to Matt Shea Books. Oh, well. It is Matt Shea, S H E A. Didn't you Matt recognize his voice? Lots and lots of free stuff. And more important, <laughs> write me. Give me some ideas because I'm nothing All without right. He's people. A Awesome. And we'll be in touch with you guys next time. Uh, you can also look for this on my independence this is going to turn into a podcast so you can listen later or send your friends who may have an issue with addiction and you can listen to that later as well. So given that, I want to thank everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>